0: Welcome to The Cyber Guide, a security focused podcast brought to you by Compass Cybersecurity. We hope you enjoy this episode and welcome you to reach out to us with any questions. Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Cyber Guide. I'm Bob Olson, CEO of Compass Cybersecurity. Uh, joining me is Ron Nemus, our Chief Information Security Officer. Today we're going to talk about uh, the top 10 assessment findings, and these are true uh, and really relevant across all of the different industries. Uh, And organizations, or all the different organizations in the different industries that we assess uh, over time. So, welcome, Ron. Thanks for joining me.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So, why don't we go ahead and just jump right in? Um, So, and again, these are these are the top ten, but they're not necessarily in the order of uh, of the finding or the importance of the finding. And the way we're going to break them out to hopefully make it a little bit more um, meaningful to the audience and understandable is we're going to break it out across. What we call the three pillars of cybersecurity: people, policy, and technology. So, with that, we'll kind of jump right in. Uh, so, from uh, the people side, uh, which I, I always think Ron is is one of the most important aspects of cybersecurity, uh, as it you know it's been said a thousand times. It's truly the weakest link: uh, the people side, the human side of any organization. So, with that, the first. Um, Finding that we we typically see again across any size organization in any industry is just an overall lack of of a training program that even focuses on the basics and when we talk about training, we're not really talking about a lot of the technical security training that's out there. We're really more focused on just basic end user training when it comes to social media, um, safe web browsing, mobile devices, those types of things. Um, Is that something that you see Ron as well when 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 you're talking to our clients?
1: Yeah, that's that's one of the major things we see is, is just the, the lack of a basic, you know, security awareness program. So it's it's even having something as small as, uh, you know, an hour training that's once a year. You know, maybe you're you're doing something like a web based training or uh, maybe you have, a, you know, a consultant come in and, and, and do more of an auditorium style or or, um, you know, meeting style meeting just to go over the basics, you know, phishing um, you know uh, password management things like that just to to better secure and, and and make your users aware what's what's going on out there in the, the security realm
0: yeah awareness is so important and and a lot of times we see in organizations individuals and in roles that they don't really think that they would be targeted and because of that uh, when we do our mock phishing exercises we typically kind of looking back at, at, at 2016 and and what we've already done in 2017 uh, we typically see about a 25% success rate when we do these mock phishing exercises. So in other words, if we, you know, if we send a mock phishing uh, email to 100 recipients in an organization, we can typically expect about 25 of those 100 uh, to fall victim to that, unfortunately. And, and really, only it only takes one. So 25 is, um, you know, there's a lot of opportunities for there to then exploit that and, and to take advantage of that. And a lot of times, I think why we see that number being so high is because they don't have that training program. They have that lack of awareness. And so there's really an interdependency across a lot of the findings that um, that we'll talk about in this episode. Uh, So moving to number three, um, the other thing that we often see uh, as we're doing our assessments is, uh, again, from the people perspective, is a lack of exercises, meaning a lack of tabletop exercises. So getting key stakeholders together. Assuming that you have an incident response plan uh, and just talking through the most relevant, um, you know, potential threats that you have and, and the resulting potential data breaches. So, again, you know, preparedness is so important, Ron. It's, it's really key uh, to making sure that you are ready when it does happen because it will happen. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, we say it all the time. You know, a, a lot of the reasons that we get called in is is, is the result of, uh, you know, a breach or, or something that that might have that that, you know, raise their awareness this time. And, and practicing and, and knowing how to handle these situations is, is all the more important. That's gonna cut down on your downtime, um, you know, reduce your risk, and, and that way you're, you're better equipped you know, to handle these. You're, you're gonna spend less time, less money, uh, the more practice that you have in these, these situations.
0: Yeah, it's, all, it's always much less painful and much less uh, uh, expensive. If you are learning and making mistakes uh, during these practices so they're they're, they're super important uh, the, the fourth finding uh, or the fourth common finding at least uh, from what we see still in the uh, people category is just an overall lack from an IT staff perspective most organizations are stretched pretty thin uh, when it comes to, to IT staff um, so they really kind of lack the time if you will they're, they're trying to keep the network up and running and make sure that the you know, the daily process flows are, are, are functioning correctly and all the infrastructure is working. And so they really don't necessarily, assuming that they even have the security skill set, which in most cases they don't, um, at least not the breadth of what they need to have. They don't typically have the time. Um, and, and again, it's just, it's not because it's not a priority to them, but the reality is there's a lot of day-to-day, more traditional IT functions that they're having to perform. And so, a, a, and also in fairness to them, you know, the security field is a broad field. And so there's lots of things that, that they need to be, you know, very proficient and do it correctly. And, and it's just a real big challenge for them.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we see that a lot. I mean, it, think about your own in your own life, you know, five, ten years ago, you know, how many electron pieces of electronics did you have? Right. And, and what was that, that, that time that you spent managing that? So, you know, think now in the business world and, and you know, you have th- all these different applications that live in, in different environments. You know, you might have a, an iPad, a, a cell phone, a laptop, whereas, you know, five years ago you, you had an IT staff that was just, you know, worried about managing a desktop that, that stayed, you know, all the time, you know, in, in an office environment. So, you know, even managing that from an IT perspective becomes, you know, much more level of effort. Um, so then, you know, bolt on top of that security and and try to implement security into that type of management activity, and and again, um, you know, y- you see the strain on your normal your your IT staff.
0: Yeah, and and uh, sometimes we hear, well, you know, we've we've moved a lot of stuff to the cloud, so they should have more time and you know, kind of less to do, and I think the reality of that is it's that's you know, for the most part, at least from what we've seen, not really, you know, an accurate. Um, you know statement to make so it's not really that they have less to do just because you've moved it to uh, some type of cloud application or cloud service provider it's just really honestly a different skill set that than they're having to leverage potentially on top of what they're what they already um, have been doing so so that's you know those are kind of the, the the top four things on the people side switching over to the policy side which are also again very very important and probably the uh, you know, kind of the least sexy area that we'll talk about. Most people aren't too excited to talk about policies, but they are very important. Uh, The first one that we see, you know, assuming that an organization even has, um, you know, documented policies on hand, which a lot of times we don't see that, uh, they're typically ad hoc. So maybe each department has kind of written their own policies, they're not necessarily in the same format. Um, You know, they use a mix of titles and names and there's really no linkage between those and so ad hoc policies I guess are better than nothing um, but in some ways it could be an even larger negative because it, it it could you know clearly leave gaps where you you think you have something covered but you don't um, so is that something you see Ron as well a lot of ad hoc policies and and gaps
1: yes and, and it also grows I'd say by the the size of the organization and and, and how spread apart you know each of these organizations are so you know, if, if you have uh, uh, an organizational policy, um, you know, that's not properly vetted or communicated, you know, the, the farther you get away from that home office, you know, people tend to to kind of make it up as they go or they may not be aware that that higher level organizational policy is there. Um, so, you know, to your point, it's it, we see that a lot with the ad hoc um but it's it's getting as, you know, starting at the top and then getting as granular as you can. So there's not confusion, uh, you know, with your your people and your users as to what exactly they should be doing on your systems.
0: Yeah, and that, that's a great point, because kind of leading into the, the, the next, uh, you know, policy related finding that we see is it, it runs exactly right. The larger the organization, the, it seems the more likely that those policies are spread, um, you know, really throughout the organization. Uh, and I mean, you know, literally spread throughout. So maybe there, you know, there's hard copies that sit on someone's desk, um, which obviously is not the the optimal way to distribute a policy and make sure that everybody has access to it and can reference it. Um, it also just creates the the more stovepiped it is, um, and the more they are spread throughout the organization, you know, it just raises an overall lack or creates a, an overall lack of awareness. So people don't know what policies they have. You know, sometimes we'll get clients in a room and we'll get stakeholders from different functional areas in that organization. So maybe you've got HR, finance, IT, legal in the room, and you start talking about some policies, acceptable use, social media, and inevitably somebody in the room, you know, if you ask the question, do you guys have this, you know, documented somewhere, and, you know, maybe half the room will say yes, and the other half will say no, and those that say no uh, will say they never knew it. Um, and so that's a little concerning when you're getting that from, typically senior management, if they don't know, then more than likely uh, further down in the organization, they definitely don't
1: know. Recorded in Baltimore's historic Inner Harbor, home of the Ravens and the Orioles, land of crabs and natty bow, this is the Cyber Guide. And now, back to your host.
0: So our our third uh, and final, uh, at least from a a top 10 list, uh, for the policy area uh, uh, assessment finding is oftentimes so let's say they do have you know somewhat well-documented policies unfortunately technology is changing so fast and there, there's constantly new applications new ways to use it what we find is those policies are really outdated um, so again you know kudos for having a policy but uh, it may not address all of the current technology you're using uh, you know think about some of the the new technologies that are out there today, uh, that organizations have never really had to consider, uh, you know, cloud, uh, social media, uh, you know, w- what do you think, Ron, about those?
1: Yeah, we, we see that sometimes, you know, where, where, you know, years ago they, they may have had this heavy reliance on a fax machine. Um, but over time that, that reliance has, has decreased and it's, it's, it's more, um, you know, on email now, or, or maybe they use a, um, a web-based fax service so it's it's again it, as Bob mentioned incorporating that and, and updating that um, or, or again maybe to your point they might not they might not even had this cloud solution a year or two ago and now a lot of the businesses translate or transitioned into the the cloud service so it's it's building security mechanisms around that and and procedures that that um, you know safely to, to safely access that information
0: yeah, I mean, some of the technologies that we, you know, we use very, uh, you know, consistently throughout the day have not, if you step back and think for a second, they really haven't been used that long or in place that long, you know, so, so mobile devices, everybody's got one probably in their pocket or purse or wherever, but they, in the grand scheme of things, they haven't been around so long. So, you know, it's very, especially for organizations that have been place for, you know, you know, maybe decades, it's, it's unlikely that they have updated their policies to address, you know, mobile devices, social media, uh, you know, cloud computing, those types of things, telecommuting maybe even. And, and so it's really important to address those. Switching to our third and final pillar, uh, technology. Um, so some of the things that we also see there, and again, these are um, really true across any any organization. Um, th- they're more sort of on the IT hygiene side, meaning, you know, the first example is just poor patch management. So there's you know, on average about 100 new vulnerabilities that are discovered each week. Um, and there's a reason that, that software is updated on a fairly regular basis. So if you're not keeping up with um, you know, patch updates of whether it's Microsoft Office, Adobe, any of the browsers, the operating systems that are out there, it's very easy to fall behind. Um, you know, what are some of the ways, Ron, that, that a, a hacker could potentially exploit uh, an organization that does or or does have doesn't have good patch management
1: uh, it's just it's just opening up your your weaknesses and, and making them more prevalent so by not by not patching you know you're, you're compounding your issue so if if somebody was to send a, a phishing email with some malicious um, content in there if you're not patching properly the the ways that they can exploit your system go up exponentially you know so it's basically putting as many locks on your, your systems as you can um, by, by continually patching them. Uh, you know, you're able to to build layers of defense around, you know, your, your network and your systems. Um, you know, not having that type of patch management leaves them much more vulnerable to a wider, uh, you know, variety. So your, your target area is just increased so much because, you know, put the, you don't put those locks in, in place
0: yeah and it really kind of can have a cumulative effect so if you if you delay for you know a, a, a longer period of time or the longer you delay doing your updates it, it becomes this sort of uh you know significant amount of work that your it staff has to potentially undertake so it becomes the the longer you wait the more work there is to do oftentimes which then sort of translates into the less likely it will happen so it's sort of this this sort of death spiral you kind of get into and it just gets away from everybody so the 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 second uh common finding that we find in the technology area just goes around network segmentation so you know what we mean by that is think of the houses in your room so if you've you know you've got a house and it's got five or six rooms um you know maybe on a floor you can think of that as a segmented network meaning that they're that you're you know, large houses is sort of sliced up or your apartment or whatever is sliced into different discrete, unique discrete areas. And so maybe one area is a little bit stronger and that, that you've got a better, you know, lock on the door, stronger door, alarm system, something like that. Maybe that's the room that you keep your valuables in. The same um, sort of concept applies to the corporate world. So do you have your sensitive data kind of segmented off or partitioned off and then focus your security mechanisms where the, you know, sort of the, the jewels are um, and how do you protect that data? And it's a, it's a very common thing. Um, one of the reasons why we see it is because over time networks evolve and kind of get built out. And so nobody intentionally looks to build out a, a network that's just what we call flat or wide open. Uh, and again, that really creates some challenges. So I think it's a thoughtful process organizations need to go through when they're building out their network or re-architecting their network, uh, what are your thoughts on that, Ron?
1: Yeah, so you know, especially now with with compliance standards and, and payment card information being you know another hot button issue or hot button topic. Uh, you know you're, years ago you were taking credit cards by the phone and and now you, you may be processing them on an application. Um, but you know you have to think who has access to that, right? So if in, a, in a non-segmented network, if if you're handling all this customer information and and customer data um but it's it's not segmented you know you might have a down the line or, or in the office you might have an unsecure network maybe a guest wi-fi um you know maybe it's just something that you let you know your another another entity connect to Um, that again can expose that that sensitive information, as you mentioned, you know, whether it be PII or personally identifiable information or that payment card information which can result in in fines and you know penalties that are, are substantial to the business. Yeah,
0: I mean most organizations have, you know, somewhat limited budgets, admittedly, when it comes to IT and as well as security. And so it really doesn't make a lot of sense to allocate those resources across, you know, uniformly across all the different portions of the uh, the infrastructure again you really want to focus if you've got a limited you know set of resources both dollars and you know and and human resources you really want to focus them on protecting the uh, you know the data that is the most critical and sensitive to your organization and so network segmentation is is one of the things that we strongly recommend the other on a, on a sort of related note uh, the, the the tenth uh, overall and the third final technology uh, finding that we see is most organizations have done a pretty good job of investing in their technology Uh, you know they've in in a lot of cases they've probably overbought as far as what they really need Um, but what we see is that very few of them have have expended spent the energy or the time um, and really probably the training to make sure that they're maximizing the capabilities from a security perspective of the of that infrastructure and you know, the the vendors that sold them are a little bit to blame, but at the end of the day, the organization itself is ultimately responsible. And so, you know, it's pretty common where we'll see, you know, maybe a higher end firewall that that wasn't maybe configured, not that it's configured incorrectly per se, it works, it's functional, but from a security standpoint, it's really not set up correctly. Um, You know, maybe what are some other other examples that you see, Ron, just from a, a lack of sort of you know settings if you will from a security standpoint
1: sure yeah I mean that 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 goes for firewall but even desktops you know uh, you know disabling services that you might not need um, securing your passwords and making sure they're they're a certain length uh, and and the frequency you know is is, is how often is that changed and how often is that checked Um, you know allowing remote access to that system basically uh, you know services that you might not even know are turned on um, but, but checking for those and making sure that they're turned off to again you know, block an entry point into your network and, and block that weakness.
0: Yeah, you're really trying to limit that, you know, the, the different ways that a, a bad actor could get into your organization. So if you you know the more doors you shut, the less likely they're gonna be able to come in and, and those doors that you do have open, you're gonna be able to monitor those a lot more closely and so um, so that wraps up our, our, our segment today. That's our top ten. Assessment, assessment findings list, uh, broken out across the, what we call the three pillars, people, policy, and technology. Thanks, Ron. And thank you for joining us. That's it for this episode of The Cyber Guide. We thank you for listening and hope you'll join us next time for another security-focused podcast. Remember to subscribe to our channel if you've liked what you heard and pass it on to your colleagues. The Cyber Guide has been brought to you by Compass Cybersecurity. Compass takes a risk management approach to cybersecurity, examining the employees, policies, and technology within an organization to give a complete view of their cybersecurity infrastructure. For more information on Compass and their mission to shift the world's data to be safe and secure, visit us at www.compasscyber.com.